You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With community, connection, and confidence, 10 students grow to a class of over 150. Why? Because the arts matter. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. Today's guest is Jessica Harris, founder and artistic director of Empowered Players. Jessica is part of my Theater is for Everyone series, where I'm interviewing theater artists outside of the major locales and influences to give them a chance to be heard, discuss their work selection and production processes, while touching on their triumphs, challenges, and misconceptions. Empowered Players is a Fluvanna County, Virginia-based nonprofit organization designed to make a difference in their community through the arts. They promote youth empowerment, are dedicated to community service, and believe that the arts have the power to unite. Jessica is an absolutely inspiring artistic visionary. Now please keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds different. I'm super excited, so let's bring her on. Hi, Jessica, and welcome to Your Program is Your Ticket. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I was so impressed by the TED Talk that I came across with you and, and your wonderful uh, uh, mission and objective and uh, just just helping people so much. And, and in particular, you know, young artists who, um, I, I don't know about you, but I remember the first time I walked into like a drama class and how all of a sudden it was like, ah, and, and I just thought, this is where I belong. And it's usually uh, promoted by um, a teacher, uh, a, a typically, or, or an adult who uh, forms a program like you. And it's just, it's, it's, it's really, really wonderful. I think a lot of times kids are um, afraid to have that connection. And um, uh, it, it's just so so rewarding when it happens. And so I'm so excited to hear all about you. So let's start by having you introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself and uh, tell us about Empowered Players. Sure thing. Uh, well, first, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I, I remember very vividly the first time that I set foot in a theater and, and was on a stage and, and that moment will remain with me forever. And I think that's a large part of why I wanted to start Empowered Players. Um, so yes, Starting from the top, my name is Jessica Harris, and I'm the founder and artistic director of Empowered Players. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and we've been around for about six years now. And 
I am based out of Fluvanna County, Virginia, which is a rural county just outside of Charlottesville. So we're central Virginia. Um, and again, going back to that moment, I, I was really blessed in that I had exposure to the arts as a kid. And that set me on a trajectory that I would never have expected otherwise. And I was just so taken um, by the power of the arts and the power of the arts in bringing folks together to have community. So um, the mission of Empowered Players is to uh, uplift the human spirit through access to quality arts experiences, uh, youth empowerment, and community service. So we provide free and accessible arts classes to kids in rural Virginia and central Virginia more broadly um, that are focused not so much on training the next Broadway stars, although we aim to provide you know rigorous and high-quality experiences. But you never know. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. And we've had kids graduate and go on to study theater. And so I, I see that impact. But our our focus is to, to generate a love of the arts and through through that love of the arts to foster community and connection in a powerful way. Um, as you know, as a, as a theater artist, there's nothing like coming together and creating a show or learning new techniques or just getting that confidence in creating something. And so our goal is really to promote youth empowerment by giving students access to those experiences and doing so in a way that is often student-led and student-driven. Um, and we're dedicated to community service. I mean, as I mentioned, all of our programs are free and accessible. We don't want cost to be a barrier. I was lucky in that my parents could afford to take me to, to Charlottesville, which is about a 30, 35 minute drive away. And a lot of the programs there you have to pay for. Um, and I knew that that wasn't a reality for a lot of kids in, in this rural part of Virginia. So we really wanted to provide something that was accessible and meaningful. And I'm grateful that we've been able to you know, give, give students that access to the power of the arts, which really is designed to unite us all. Absolutely. Wow. That's great. Now, were there any certain situations where you know, the, what we just talked about was sort of like that aha moment as a kid. Were there any situ, situations where you saw that in uh, empowered players' eyes? Like somebody walks in for the very first time and it's just like, okay, I'm home now. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Sure. I, if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I think our program would be able to be self-sustaining. I mean, I think think that one of the the beautiful things about Empowered Players is we try to generate this incredibly positive and uplifting environment for students. You know, at the beginning of our classes, we ask how students are doing, what they're bringing into the table, and we all decide on goals and what we want to accomplish for that day. And so we, from the back, create a space where students are hopefully set up to succeed. But I think two stories that come to mind in terms of that powerful moment, it's actually funny because... um, in some ways it's connected to the title of your, of your podcast, but I had a student who we, we, a big hallmark of our program, we do year long programming um, where we have semester long classes and we also do summer camps and enrichment opportunities. And so for one summer camp in particular, um, we had students come in. We had about 30 students that summer for one of our camps. Um, and it was a great camp. The students got to write their own plays and star in them. And they directed them and created their costumes and props. Really, everything was sort of student-led. And we had one student in particular um, who he himself was autistic. And, and this was the first time that he had really been a part of this artistic community um, where he could create and grow with a, with a team. And he sat in, in the audience. And at the end of the camp, you know, I always ask the students, what are you taking away from this experience? What what have you learned? What have, what have you you know experienced? And and he said, I've learned that theater is for everyone, even me. Um, and so I you know I laughed when I saw your email because I said this is exactly what we are trying to do. We are trying to make a space where theater can be for everyone, regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of you know whatever needs or and and abilities they have. And so. I think that's one example. And the other is just, I mean, at the end of every camp, every production, as I'm sure you can experience as, as a theater artist yourself, 
there is nothing like seeing the smiles on the kids' faces as they take their bows and their parents come up to them and they're so proud and they have the support of community members they might not know, right? And seeing how they see that they've made an impact, it extends beyond just them. And so while we have st stories like the one I shared where students are leaving individually impacted and feeling like they, you know, have a greater sense of confidence and understanding in themselves, there's also this community impact where they're seeing the impact that they are, are sharing with, with others by their performance. So it's really, I, I feel so incredibly grateful to um, get to see that, that really vibrant um, connection that students are sharing with each other and, and with our greater community, for sure. Very, very cool. How do you decide upon what programs you want uh, empowered players to participate in? And, and then how do you develop them? Absolutely. I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but a lot of our programs are, are really student-led and student-driven. And so at the end of every semester, at the end of every program, we'll ask our students, you know, what do you want to see more of? What do you hope to see in your classes? What, what's missing? And so we take that feedback and we try our best to implement it however we can. So I have a wonderful board that helps sort of guide our program. And I have a team of volunteer staff that are theater educators in their own right. And so we, at the end of every season, come together and say, hey, this is what went really well. This is what we want to continue to innovate. And here's what we're hearing from our students. And so sort of taking those three um, various inputs, uh, we will put together a season. And, and you know, our seasons are, are relatively large. We'll have about eight programs a semester that range from we'll do full length production. So we just finished um, this past semester. We did Descendants, the musical, which was a hit with our younger our younger students, um, which was that sort of based on the Disney movies. Um, and then we also do a, a bunch of classes. We do an arts enrichment program that has a different topic every week that students come in to learn. And we do a, a playwriting class. We'll do improv classes. We'll do sort of uh, week long long, you know, various, various topics we'll, we'll, we'll explore deeper, whether that's Shakespeare or things like that. And so we really want uh, to provide as many robust experiences as possible for our students. You know, Fluvanna is great in that there is an arts community, but in terms of ex those extracurricular opportunities, it's, it's really, we are filling that void. And so um, we want to provide as much as we can. And, and I'm grateful that I have a great volunteer staff um, that is willing to, to help implement that. And we'll have guest artists come in and it's really wonderful. But again, we just really ask ask our students and see what our community needs and focus on how we can create programs that are focused on that sort of socio-emotional benefit um, that the arts provide while still giving that rigorous and, and quality opportunity for sure. Wow. Very, very cool. What's the uh, age range sure. of the participants? We serve students K through 12. Um, and so we really focus on start to finish, what are we able to provide our students? And we do break it down by age. So we'll have sort of elementary and younger middle school together. We'll have middle school, early high school, and then sort of later high school will be separate. And one thing I'll add too, is that students stay in our program. I mean, we've seen great retention. Um, we've been around for six years now. We've had some students that have been involved since day one that are just excited to continue coming back and, and have stayed with us through the, the challenges of the pandemic as well. I mean, we had to, unfortunately, um, you know, as as many theaters experienced given the pandemic, we had to shift to the online format. And that was a big hurdle for us. I mean, especially in a rural community that didn't have great Internet. That's since improved over the, the past few years. But thinking that's a new challenge we have to face is we have to figure out how to keep students engaged and provide programming that is meaningful. And so 
while we've been in that virtual space, we supplement it with some in-person experiences. We've set, we've mailed students resources, um, and for our virtual productions, we'll, you know, drive costumes to students' homes and drop off props and scripts and things like that. So they are getting those tactile experiences, but needless to say, students have been with us through it all. And I think a big part of why they keep coming back is again, that community feel of being a part of something larger than yourself. And I'm, I'm really grateful that for all students, K through 12, um, we're able to provide that. Wow, that's outstanding. Um, I feel like in in in, in, in drama departments in school, that's all I have uh, to, to base my uh, this question on. There's a bit of like a each each drama department has its own sort of tone of personality mm. as a group. Do you do you feel that Empowered Players has that? And if so, um, what do you think that is? Sure. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Our focus has always been and will always be empowering the students to take ownership of their work and create a community that they feel proud to be a part of and that supports them in return. Um, And so I think a big part of the theme of our classes and a big part of um, what we hope to share with the community is generating sort of student-driven work, generating, you know, students to feel like they are a part of this Fluvanna community, this artistic community, however you want to define that space, that they feel that they are a valued member in that. And so we focus on shows that have some sort of positive message. We focus on classes that are giving students the tools to create and to create successfully. And we focus on making sure that every student that comes in our, in our doors feels that they are seen, that they are heard, and that they are able to have the tools they need to thrive. And so you sort of see that through all of our, we do a lot of uh, musicals that have the the students are familiar with and that they want to be a part of. We do a lot of classes that are focused on, we did it actually over the pandemic, we did an ensemble based class where all students did was come in and learn how to be part of an ensemble and how to create theater activities and games that could uh, support that ensemble mindset. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's that that ensemble uh, focused approach of, you know, there are, you know, no small parts and everyone that's in our, in our doors and in our programs is a valued member of that community. And, and I sincerely hope that all our students leave feeling such. Now, do the older students, do they sort of take the younger students under their wing? And it's actually pretty that you asked out? that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm done with my question. It's all new. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got excited because we actually have a program designed specifically for that. So we have what's called the students arts mentors or student art mentors, excuse me. Um, And and those students are high school students that come in and they volunteer weekly to help lead rehearsals, to help choreograph, to help stage, um, and really to take the younger students under their wing and and support them as individuals and as art makers. Um, And so that is that has been a hallmark of our programs for sure. And it's sort of tied into, we have a teen arts board of older high schoolers who want to help shape the arts landscape of Fluvanna. So they've planned sort of art festivals. They've planned workshops. Um, gosh, what else have they done? They've done costume contests and talent shows and really just trying to create space for, in particular, younger students, but also the community at large to to really impact them in a way that the, the teens feel so called to do. So to answer your question, again, I, I get really excited when folks ask that because it's a big part of Empowered Players is making sure that we set up space for students to not only take ownership of their work, but to give back and specifically to give back to the students that are coming under them. So absolutely, that's a big part of our program. You know, and that starts at the top, which is you and being 
uh, the example for that. And um, if, if it's, it is working because I know that I saw a photo in the TED talk of, of your first class, which was 10 kids. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden different photos came up and they're just auditoriums full of kids um, uh, in theater. And I thought, wow, that's, that's amazing. And that's because of your leadership. That's you having a vision and, and a plan of action that, that uh, helps them. And, and you know what, that's, they're learning from you leadership qualities because of the fact that they're watching you do it. And uh, I think that that's, I think that that's like way cool. Now, um, do, do any of the company members come in um, and I've, I've been calling them company members as company members or students, or does it matter or what's your preference? Yeah, I think both. And we typically refer to them as students and I refer to sometimes, you know, even the mentors are students as well. We're all learning and growing together. So we, we refer to them as students or, or as the ensemble. That's the sort of other term we threw around, as I mentioned. Okay. So, so do you have, um, uh, participants in your, um, ensemble who are more interested in learning about tech than they are uh, acting and performing? Absolutely. Talk about that. Tell us about that. Sure. Absolutely. So one of the things we were, this was a, again, a, a pre-COVID goal was to have right. a, a group of folks who are dedicated specifically to working on the technical aspects, whether that's running lights, sound, sort of set design, costume design, things of that nature. And we offer um, and, and offered pre-COVID as well, we offer classes on those topics so that students can learn more um, and, and get a sense of what that entails. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, um, we were unable to be sort of in that community space. We used to perform at the Carysburg Performing Arts Center, um, thanks to the partnership of the Fugana County Arts Council. Um, but unfortunately, COVID shut that down and, and we haven't been able to get back in the space. So while we haven't been able to get a sort of cohort of students who are really able to do from start to finish running all the tech aspects of a show or of a class, um, that is one of our goals. And we've been working through providing those classes and making sure that students know that, hey, if you're not wanting to be on stage, you're still a part of this program. You're still a part of this team. We're really excited that once hopefully things get a little uh, clearer, let's say, I, I hesitate in saying back to normal. I don't think that language um, adequately fits. I think we're entering into a new era and I think we have to be nimble in that way. But one of our goals for this new era is that we can uh, better support our students who are interested in tech because we do have a number of those students and we want them to be able to sink their teeth in and really you know, see the program through to start to finish. Wow. Very, very cool. And uh, so you, you, do you have people that are not, I want to say experts, but it's, it's their field, uh, volunteer to come in and teach seminars or classes or programs. Uh, cause I think that's, that's really important. Absolutely. So I, I, I mentioned this earlier, I have a volunteer staff of about three folks who stay with us and, and teach the all, sort of all classes. Everyone's just a, a teaching artist in, in all of the spaces. But when we t- touch on those topics that are sort of outside the scope of, you know, ensemble building and directing and acting, 
we absolutely bring in outside artists and guests. And I'm really grateful that Zoom in a lot of ways has allowed us to do that even more and that we are able to Zoom in folks who aren't even local to the area. So I've Zoomed in um, an expert on theater of the oppressed to give our students a workshop on that topic. I, we did uh, virtual voice lessons with a vocal coach for a while. So there are absolutely ways we we want to expand the the sort of knowledge experts um, to be outside the scope of just local folks. While there's a great uh, wealth of knowledge here, I recognize the value in bringing students um, to those experts and vice versa. And so we really want to continue doing that. So yes, absolutely. We bring in those outside voices to make sure we are giving students the highest quality um, educational experiences we can. Wow. That's very cool. It really is. And I'm sure it's, it's equally as rewarding for, the experts that you're bringing in uh, and them connecting with the students and um, uh, j- just, you know, taking off more blinders, opening more eyes. Uh, that's got to be very, very uh, fulfilling for them to watch and to see. Gosh, I hope so. I'm speaking for myself. And I mean, I'm someone who intimately knows these students and has connected with them for, for years, but I still leave every week feeling so impacted by them and what they're bringing to the table. And I, I've learned so much from them and I, I can only imagine that that must be tenfold for people who are coming in for more one-off opportunities. I mean, I, I see it and feel it every day and I'm grateful that the students are able to benefit from it. And that to your point, hopefully the experts are as well. Wow. wow. So uh, people who are listening to this podcast, maybe you could contact Jessica and offer up your services. Uh, <laughs> I, in, I interview uh, musicians, I interview musical directors, I interview um, um, artistic directors like yourself. Um, there's a great show that's in my Act Two Places series, which is where I interviewed various companies and artists about what they were dealing with in um, during COVID and how they prepped themselves to reopen whatever that looked like. Uh, there's a gentleman named Adam Koch, who's an excellent set designer. And um, if you're interested in something like that, you should, who, whoever's listening to this, should listen to that episode because he is, he does dazzling sets and I'm sure he's on his way to Broadway. So, but you know, there's all, all different kinds of artists that I bring onto the show and I want them to listen to this and I want them to hear it and reach out to you and help you. Um, and I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Um, Absolutely. I was uh, talking about my show with a friend of mine, um, uh, yesterday or the day before. And she's, she said what, what I was talking about and in, in hopefully helping people with this show is the reach up, reach down syndrome, mm-hmm. which is that you're reaching up to, to uh, get assistance and help and knowledge. But at the same time, you have to reach down right. and help and give and impart your knowledge. And I, I just, I think that that's uh, really super important. Well, that's incredible. And, and in listening, you know, I've, I've listened to your, your episodes and, and I always leave feeling a sense of inspiration and, and hope and, and gratitude for the people that are doing the work. And so absolutely. I, I, if, if you're listening and you're interested in getting involved, please help, but also know, you know, as, as a theater organization, we want to be a part of that giving back as well. I love that reach up, reach, reach back model. I think that's really powerful. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. I was like, Whoa, that's, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. And she was, a, she was applying that to her, um, just like her, her business. It was nothing mm. artistic about it, but you know, it's, it's in every business. It's the, the teaching element and the learning element is continuously ongoing. And I think that 
what you're doing is a huge example of that. Um, talk about your production process when you're launching a performance. Is How different is it from a regular? Because I'm sure you've been in, in production and in plays and musicals and things like that. What's different about it based upon the objectives of, of your company? Totally. Uh, well, one of the great things about Empower Players is there are no 10 out of 12s. There are no 7 out of 8s. You show up for an hour and you get the rehearsal in for that week. And then you come back the next week and you do it all over again. We really want our program to be digestible. And so specifically, we we offer more you know bite-sized rehearsals that are packed with more I like to think more, more substance, right? So we focus on dramaturgy. We focus on character development. We focus on ensemble building and design. And we really, thanks to the team of volunteers, we're able to do that in a way that you're not coming to rehearsal and sitting in the back if you're just in the ensemble. You're coming to rehearsal and you are learning all the songs. You're doing all the dances. You are, if you're not rehearsing actively, you're working on set design or, or on costumes and, and talking about, you know, ways that you can support the, the production. So we, in that one hour, so students come in, let's say it's on a Sunday afternoon for one of our younger musicals. We do musicals for students, grades K through K through nine, typically. Um, and if you come in on that Sunday, you get there at four. We all, we start with an all call. Everyone's sharing and warming up and doing some kind of activity. And then we really just focus on breaking up into groups and getting the work done. And, and we don't ever want a student to feel that they are not actively a part of that production. So Again, those rehearsals will talk about their characters. You know, what is your character thinking and feeling at this moment? How might you show that in the way that you move or in the way that you enter or, or talk with another character? We talk about, obviously, if it's a musical, we'll, we'll do some music rehearsals that are on vocal technique, but we're really focused more on how are you creating and understanding the world of the show and less about the product. I'm a big process, process, process over product. Obviously you want the product to be good. Um, and I, and I'm grateful that I, I think the students have that buy-in as well. Of we want this to be a good show. We want to, we want to put forward our, our best work, but we know that in order to get to that point, we have to have an, an, an incredible process and an outstanding process. So again, we have really only an hour, sometimes an hour and a half for our older students who are wanting that more uh, meaty time to, to sink their teeth into the material. But it's once a week. And then that happens at the, we started, you know, August, right when school starts and you put up the show in December or in the case of our summer camps, we'll do maybe three hours a day for a week. You come in on Monday, you audition, you get your part. And then by Saturday, the show's up. So we're not focused on, you know, really um, hammering, you know, kids to the bone. We are focused on creating a supportive and uplifting environment that is dedicated to creating a space where they can thrive. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. That's awesome. What I'm seeing in my mind or picturing in my mind is like a big giant room with, I don't know, seven or eight little pods of, of, uh, of students and Jessica, like going from here to here to here to here and, and just, um, sort of keeping them on track 
with whatever their objective is for that day. Is that sort of how it works? Have you been to one of our rehearsals? That's I have exactly not, exactly but you're, you're, so, you're, you're so vivid that's with the exactly way you describe it. things. It's, it's, it's exactly what I'm thinking. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's what's so great about, you know, we have staff that's dedicated to being able to rotate and support whatever the show needs. And, and I do think, you know, we do break off into those pods, but another great part of it is we have those moments where we are all coming together to check in at the beginning and check out at the end and do some kind of, you know, we always end rehearsals with a group activity that brings everybody together to really make sure that we are focused on um, not, you know, siloing off people who have speaking roles or who don't right but really making sure that everyone feels valued so the way you described it is absolutely correct and and i'm <laughs> grateful that um that we were able to do that and, and even for our older students who are perhaps working on more advanced shakespeare show let's say or something that doesn't have quite that same pod format that would work as well um we're still making sure that we do individual check-ins with students and carving out time for them to do character analysis and scene analysis and breakdown and and making sure that you know all aspects of the show are covered and not just can you go on stage and stay say lines so absolutely oh absolutely yeah that's that's great because i as you get older and you start mastering all these different elements um, then that's when the gelling starts. Exactly. That's when you can, you know, I know this, I know this, like I'm now more comfortable and confident putting it all together sooner. Right. Um, so I, I would imagine that can be a little overwhelming for someone who's new to it. And totally. the fact that you process them through is really cool. Um, as well as focusing on the process of acting, which I would assume is, is, you know, table work asking questions about your characters. Who are these people? My husband's an actor, so he does that <laughs> stuff all the time. Um, and and I, I hear about that a lot where I, that's so important to people, particularly people who um, I think are, are new to theater, because I think that it's important. I get kind of crazed when I see like a professional actor who is just what I call, what I refer to writing the script. They're not right. making nuanced decisions. They're not lifting the character off the page and, and and developing it into something real and and vivid totally. and vibrant. So so I think it's cool that you do that because then they're understanding what's going on and it probably just blows them away when they're like, wow, I can do that. I can I can ask questions. I can figure this person out. Right. It's, that's because that's eventually what they're gonna have to do if they go into it. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, even for our ensemble members who might not have a name given to them in the script, we always ask, you know, what is your character's name? What is their intention in this scene? Just because you're in this big dance number doesn't mean that you are void of any intention or desire. So I, I am glad to hear that you, you understand, or perhaps from your husband understand um, yeah. how important that is. And, and I'm, I'm grateful we're able to do that. Um, I myself, well, my husband is an actor. I am a script writer. As oh, one of the things that I do, and I've, I'm really intrigued by your Playwrights Collective and your uh, script club sure. that I see here on your website. Talk about those. Absolutely. Those are actually both COVID creations, as I like to call them. So they're, they're sort of the silver linings that have come out of the past few years. So when COVID hit back in March 2020, we were right in the middle of our biggest production yet. Um, and we were going to, we had about 40 students. We had about eight volunteer teachers. It was a big undertaking. We were all super excited. We had about seven other classes going on. Um, and then that all just shut down. Unfortunately, yeah. we were unable to, to complete them. And so we really made a big pivot at that moment from, yes, we can do these productions. And yes, they have such great value for our community. 
how can we supplement that with what kids need right now in this very moment? And what we heard from our students and what we are noticing in our communities is they really wanted some space where they could create and have the space to create. And they had, you know, smaller time to talk with one another and, and not just focused on the productions and on the classes where they were learning, but how could they generate as I'm sure you understand as a scriptwriter, their own voice and their ability to process and make sense of what was going on around them in a creative way. Um, and our students were going through a lot. I mean, shifting to online school, things were being canceled, um, and we wanted to give them a safe place where they could process all of those feelings and all of those emotions in a creative way. I mean, I think that the hallmark of what we do is is supporting students using creativity as that format. So we created the Playwrights Collective, which became a, a once a week, you know, Wednesday nights or Monday nights. Um, we would gather and, and everyone would write and they, they would focus on creating full length scripts, one act scripts. We'd bring prompts to them to sort of help guide their thinking. We'd share tips and tricks. Um, we had a guest artist teach it for uh, an, a whole semester. And then the issue sort of continued in a, a support capacity once they really got their feet under them. But um, we you know, wanted to make sure that they had that space to process the world around them. So we had, you know, topics have ranged from fantasy stories that are are entirely just this fantastical, magical world to we had a student that created a historical fiction piece about their ancestors and about, um, you know, that that piece as well and processing that. So that's been incredible. And then we started Script Club because sort of to your earlier question about students who may, maybe are more interested in tech or about learning about the nitty gritty about dramaturgy and writing and all of that. Um, we wanted them to have a space where they didn't have to perform, but they still got that experience of what does it mean to read through a script and ask the playwright questions and and leave, you know, being curious and, and wondering more about that artistic process. So I think those two classes are kind of uh, two sides of the same coin and that we really just wanted to create a place for students to gather and explore a different aspect of theater. Um, and in particular, in, in this time when they had so much swirling around them, it was a really great anchor to come and say, hey, you have an hour a week where you can write whatever you want. You don't have to write at all. You can write a scene. You can write a page. You could create something with one of your fellow um, students in the class. Um, or, you know, you can just sort of absorb it all. And and then with the script club, um, you know, you can read and explore a whole other world that is not, you know, in these COVID times, um, which was so overwhelming at that time. So we have loved it. We will continue it post-COVID. I'm grateful that COVID um, showed the importance of these classes and, and, and demonstrated the need. And that's going to continue, I think, moving forward. So we'll continue to make sure that we have those spaces. Absolutely. One of the people that I interviewed for Act Two Places, he was an, an acting coach and hmm. acting mentor. Um, he, I don't know if he coined this phrase, but it's the first time I've ever heard it. COVID born. It was a COVID born program. Love it. Uh, yeah. You know, this, and I thought, oh my gosh, that's, that's awesome. That's great. I wish, yeah. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> you can't think of everything, right, Jessica? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we have yeah. to have teamwork. Uh, right. Okay. Now I have to ask you this one question. It's a little bit of, of a sidebar. Sure. Okay. And I ask this question every single time somebody says this word. Is it dramaturg or dramaturge? Ooh. So I have heard dramaturg in reference to the individual, but dramaturgy mm -hmm. in reference to the art form. Oh, which, okay. As I'm saying it aloud, I'm realizing does not quite make sense, but that is what has been historically passed down to me. What are your thoughts? Do you have a, do you have a, a way that you pronounce it or that you've heard? 
I I've pronounced it both ways only because uh-huh. I've just been so confused all the time. <laughs> and I've dealt as a writer, I've dealt with with uh, dramaturgs, right, <laughs> right, doing dramaturgy to my scripts. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there we go. There we go. You know <laughs> what? I think we'll just coin a completely different term and that'll be the phrase that you can make up. Then you can, you can have credit for <laughs> that new no, title. <laughs> I like, I like your system. So that's it. You know, they're always telling us to make the strongest choice in theater, right? Absolutely. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah. That was the first We're lesson next. I learned. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is, this is so great. Is there any uh, particular project that you, um, you'd want to highlight um, as far as a, a script that was written by somebody, mm-hmm. I know that you talked about um, uh, a young artist who wrote about their ancestors and their past. Yeah. Um, is there any anything that you want to? Uh, um, I, I asked this question thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm asking her to play favorites <laughs> on the air, maybe." <laughs> so you you could say, "No, I don't want to play favorites." I'm going to give the the diplomatic parent answer and that they were all my favorite and I can't choose one. They were all so wonderful. Um, But I genuinely mean that though. I mean, I think just to highlight some more to give you an example of, of what was covered. I mean, they range anywhere from the zany, like one was um, sort of like the attack of the squirrels in New York. And they sort of journeyed through New York trying as they were avoiding these, these squirrels, um, too, we had another student that was really into um, like botany and plants. And so there was this sort of um, plant-based fantasy play, which was so interesting and, and used a lot of Latin words and, and root origins that went way over my head. But it was great to see how that student was processing, you know, things that they were learning in the classroom creatively. Um, so no, I, I, I refrain from highlighting one in particular. I just will say that I think... Um, you know, one of the things that was so enlightening for me was seeing just the wide range of interests and creative avenues that these students were exploring through various platforms. I mean, some of the plays were 10 minutes, some turned into to 40 page scripts and some were, you know, just a scene. And anyway, I think that the biggest thing for me was, again, seeing what they were coming in, coming in with and what they'd experienced. And it was just, it was so remarkable to see. Wow. That's cool because um, it's, you're teaching them from an initial, like square one, day one, uh, or uh, place of being organic with who they are. And it's, it's very, it's difficult to explain to people who don't understand it, the writer's voice. And it's, it's not how I sound when I'm talking to you. Um, it's basically what, what is this person about? Mm-hmm. What is their, what does it sound like? Like when you, like when I go watch a, uh, a Francis Ford Coppola film or a Scorsese film or something like that, I know, I know that voice. I, I can start watching it and I can, okay, yeah, that's him uh, or her. And I, I think that that's really cool. That's something I think a lot of writing teachers miss. And it's because you're saying to them, what are you about? What do you like? Because that's going to inspire you the most. And that's where we're going to hear Right. That writer's voice. It's, it's, it's elusive. Right. Absolutely. And I'll share, you know, one of our other programs that we did this semester was a one act festival um, with our older high schoolers where they came in at the beginning and they wrote all of the one acts for the show. We did not source any of them from outside playwrights. They were generated and devised really. This was less of a script writing and more of a 
hey, let's decide on themes and topics that we want to address. And then you all sort of as a group devise them, improv out some scenes, try these you know, different prompts that we'll give you, and then you'll create them from that. And to your point about the writer's voice, I mean, we came in and asked them specifically, what themes are important for you? What are you dealing with right now? And how are you dealing with it? Not just what are you dealing with, but how do you want to do, do you want to explore certain genres or is there a format you want to use? And it was great because we had, we had about eight students in that class and each of them responded very differently. And we ended up with a program of six plays that ranged from the sort of zany and abstract to there is a, a more serious play on um, sort of love and loss and, and all of that. And so I think that was what was a big takeaway for me was we're not just asking them to write and create. We're asking them, how are you doing that? And what does that sound in your voice and in your skin and language and 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 body, really? And it was great to see how they were bringing that lens in. So I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Do you, I? This is a side question, and you don't have to answer it, but do you feel like you have a, a writer voice? If you were to describe your writer voice, um, could you put that into language even? Um, I, I could. I'll try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm usually not the one to ask questions. Though. I love this. <laughs> I know. I really... <laughs> um, uh, my my writer's voice is uh, often political. Mm-hmm. I write for some reason. I'm always writing about politics and um, or, or or something like that. Um, it's uh, sardonic, a little sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the humor that I have in my writer's voice, I think, is more eh, like a giggle to yourself. Rather than uh, fall down funny, which is something I'm trying to learn how to do. I want to write a, a just a wacky script, and and so I'm 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 I'm, I'm doing that right now. Oh, awesome! But for me, it's for me, it's it's usually again. I don't know why, but I'm always writing political speeches, and uh, my my one um, uh, I have a well, it started out as a musical that I wrote with my uh, musical co-writer uh, who lives in Chicago. He, he, he writes lyrics and music and I write book. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, the book is basically the the plot line of the show of the musical. And then the book writer also typically writes the spoken scenes in between and they provide the things like theme and message and character arc and things like that. Um, And it, I I decided to pull the book out because it's very much a book musical, pull the book out of that and turn it into a play to mm-hmm. sort of develop it a little bit more. And um, then mm-hmm. I turned it into a screenplay, which I entered into a bunch of competitions, and it's, it's done quite well. Uh, I've won 17 awards, but who's counting, right? Ah, oh, I'm, I'm glad you're counting. That's incredible. <laughs> and it's, it's about a family who uh, the, the, um, the patriarch is closeted gay, and he's kind of not very nice, and he is outed in sort of a public mm. format and how it affects the campaign, but most importantly, the family. I just, I, I, I'm always writing a political speech. That's incredible. That's okay. That's, that's, that's my voice. I love that. And I, I also love the teaser, and I hope we get to see this new work that you're developing in the more sort of comedic realm. I, I'm, would love to hear more about your work, but I think that to your point, it's great that you're able to identify, hey, this is the realm that I, you know, I focus in and this is where I end up and how can I both challenge that and lean into that? I think that's awesome. Well, I, I also uh, wanted to ask, um, or it sounds like you, you allow them to do multiple 
genres. Like if they want to write a musical, they'll write a music. I'm sure you explained to them that's a little different and, yes. and that because <laughs> everything, you know, you, you, you've seen a, a three, from what I just said, like a three phase or three, right. uh, three genres of one particular show that I wrote. And each one helps and informs the next. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that if, if you're doing that, if you're saying, Okay, somebody, I want to write a musical now. Okay, great. If they've written a play before, that's going to help them with the musical. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We view it very yeah. much, I mean, we we take a very layered approach where you, you you know, each layer adds something, right? So to your point, you start. we always start those classes by writing a one-page script, then you write a skit, then you write a play, and you just kind of incrementally build that so that by the end, you have that full breadth of language and, and knowledge on how to create those pieces that's not just you being, you know, dive in head first without that scaffolding. So totally. And I think it's, I think it's great to hear. Um, and I, and I will absolutely share this with my students that, Hey, this is how, this is how writers work. They dabble in these different art forms. They get a, their, uh, you know, their feet wet in various genres and, and skill sets. And that is part of the process. That's not something, you know, I think too often there's a fear of being a jack of all trades, but in the arts, I think you have to sort of have that interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary approach to get really robust and meaningful work. So I will take what you shared and, and share it with my students as a bit of inspiration for sure. Thank you. That's very nice. It reminds me of uh, a story I heard about Cindy Lauper, um, who, for those of you who don't know who she is, she was a very, very popular singer, uh, particularly from the 80s. She put out um, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And, you know, I, I feel I feel weird explaining it, but more than once I've said, do you remember this person from the eighties? And I have like a blank stare. <laughs> and, then, and then I just feel like I'm a hundred years old. But anyways, she um, wrote the music and the lyrics for the musical Kinky Boots. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, one of the earlier VJs from MTV was interviewing her. And uh, she said, why, why, why are you not, why are you just, why are you doing this? It's, right. it's, you know, you can write music and be fine and put out albums. And Cindy Lauper, who has a very sort of um, Brooklyn accent, she was sometimes you just have to diversify. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> wow, Cindy, go, Cindy, go, Cindy. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. And then and then she won Tony Awards for it. Right. So, it paid uh, off. Sure. Please go. It paid off. No, it paid off. Absolutely. And I, and, and to that point, that's why we offer so many robust classes, right? I mean, it'd be one thing if we really drilled down into, okay, we're going to do musical theater performance and have our students know a lot about that. That'd be great. And, and, and that, you know, not to discount programs that do that. That's wonderful. But also to your point, we have to create a, a space where our students are getting those diverse skill sets and, and abilities because that's going to inform their musical theater performance, right? If they know how to write oh, a play, yeah. It's going to help them with their character development, et cetera. So I am, I'm both taking the, the wise words of, of you, Sean, and now Cindy Lauper back to my students. Of, <laughs> this is why we do what we do. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I love Cindy Lauper. And I love that act, that answer. I thought it was awesome. I like Kinky Boots a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a good show, but you can really feel the effect of Cindy Lauper's voice, like you were talking about. You can hear not just her, obviously her singing voice is not there because it's actors doing it, but you can hear the voice of her music. And that's right. sort of another sort of indicator. Like when you hear a song and you think, okay, that's, that's Cindy Lauper or right. that's Sia or whoever, you know, right. Adele. Um, and you just know, 
that's sort of a good way to explain it. When you hear it, do you know who it is? Right. Without, you know, um, well, seriously, I could talk about writing with you for like another hundred hours. We'll have to schedule another one. (laughs) Exactly. We'll have to do part two. Part two. Yeah. Part two. (laughs) Um, Let me see here. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of questions about you. Okay. Sure. Um, What's your favorite play? Again, it's like asking to pick a favorite child. <laughs> um, well, I will say this. I um, was really inspired by uh, Moises Kaufman and Tectonic Theater Project. Um, by they really, as I was developing, I, I also, you know, sort of devised playwright, direct. I, I like on a personal level, I like doing that. And so the Laramie Project for me will always be a, a pivotal moment of, you know, this is how we do community-based arts. This is how we can create meaningful art at a very poignant time. Um, and, and, and to do so in a way that uplifts the voices of the community and, and does, does so in a way that I feel is, is very powerful. So that will always, for me, be a turning point in my personal development of, I read that play and was like, I, this is the kind of work that I want to be doing. Right. Um, there, I, I typically focus on community driven work when I direct, I'm, I'm really grateful to be directing a stage reading right now of a young playwright in the area that's very community driven. So needless to say that has a special place in my heart. It's a beautiful piece. It's a powerful piece. Um, but more so for me, that opened my eyes to the world of devising and of of documentary theater and and, and the theater genre that is not just, um, I think, what is typically given to us in the high school canon. So absolutely. Yeah, that's a great example of what you're trying to teach. Yeah. You know, it's that's that's a really, really smart touchstone, in my opinion. OK, what's your favorite musical? Oh, my goodness. Oh, these questions keep coming. Um. Hmm. That's my job. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you are very good at it. Let me tell you. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. What is my favorite musical? I love compliments. Just feel free to issue <laughs> them profusely. They will at keep coming. At my age, I don't turn them down anymore. Just, just bring it on. Don't have to tell me twice. I will willingly right. and, and honestly give them because they are, are well-earned. I have okay. a couple favorites. I... um. I love sort of more cabaret style musicals like Songs for a New World. Those kinds of pieces I think are really powerful and and speak to the, again, the ability to take theater and generalize it and and make it applicable for certain communities. Um, But I am a sucker. I, uh, two years ago, had the the great opportunity to assistant direct in the Heights um, Uh here in the area. And that was the first time that I'd seen really students take ownership of their own narratives in, in a musical theater format and tell their stories in a way that was really powerful. Um, and I think that In the Heights does that in a beautiful way. I mean, it, it authentically tells those stories and, and gives that platform, even if, you know, you, you aren't from New York and you don't have that same Washington Heights experience. Um, I think there's great power in being able to claim your culture and your identity and to bring that to the table. So um, again, Another example of it's a great musical. I love it independent of this experience, but I think for me seeing the power that it has, especially with young people, um, that'll always have a special place. So again, you're asking me to pick my favorite and I will I'll never be able to do that. But those are, those are some that come to mind about, I guess, more the, the types of, of musicals and experiences that speak to me. Uh, what about like uh, one of your favorite, like, I don't want to say for lack of, of a better word, like frothy musicals. Like fun musicals that are, that are, you know, I'll tell you mine. Oh, I'd love to hear yours. Okay. My, 
one of my favorite musicals ever mm-hmm. um, is the the musical version of Legally Blonde. <gasps> that is a good one. That is a good one. You're right. right? I mean, it, it has one of the most compelling emotional narratives on top of just these great songs. And so that's... Totally. That's, people are always like, wow, you're like, and, and I'm like, it's great. It's wonderful. It won the Olivier in uh, uh, London. I saw mm-hmm. that production and it won, you know, it was nominated for multiple Tony Awards when it was up. But, and I also like In the Heights as well. I like Hamil- Hamilton less than I like In the Heights. I'm with I you. I loved In the Heights when I said, mm-hmm. and with Hamilton, I was a little, I was mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. No, I'm, I'm yeah. very team. If it if it's in the heights versus Hamilton, I'm very team in the heights, and I'm very vocal about being <laughs> team in the heights. Um, both are both are great in their own right, though. Um, so, Lynn, if you're listening, uh, I'm not knocking you. Um, but I think okay, frothy musicals. I'm a sucker for waitress. I will say, I think oh. that track is beautiful. Oh my um, god! I wish I had gotten to see it with Sarah Bareilles when oh. she was uh, sort of made a guest stint. Um, I love, love, love Waitress. I listen to that soundtrack all the time. Similarly, I think Dear Evan Hansen is a very powerful show. Um, and it's one that I have gained an appreciation for through the eyes of my students who are listening to it and saying, you know, students are, are, are there characters out there that are experiencing things that I'm experiencing and this is giving me language for it. So like, again, um, that will always be a, a big one. But uh, my final one, again, I told you I couldn't pick favorites. Um, but my final one, I love School of Rock. Did you get to see School of Rock when it was I've on? Seen it. I've seen so it multiple fun. times. It's so fun. Yeah, It's such a I've fun seen, show. I've seen all of these shows that you're talking about multiple times. I'm just I'm jealous. I mean, I've, I've even seen Hamilton multiple times because I could afford it in Chicago when I was working. Right. <laughs> It was a regular ticket price to not seven hundred dollars to sit, yeah, you know, in totally. the mezzanine. But yeah, I I love I love waitress. Um yeah. I saw Sarah Burrellis. Sarah Burrellis ah! in, is I saw her multiple times, including once in London. She knows that character like nobody's business. She yeah. is great. I remember when she came in to take over for Jesse Mueller in the mm-hmm, role. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, is this stunt casting? I'm sure she could sing it, but the acting, she's awesome. And I believe that they filmed the version of the play or the musical that they're going to um, uh, be releasing. Yeah, she's she is so 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 great. Yeah, that is so good to hear. I had similar thoughts. You know, I'm always mindful of the commercialization of theater, which again, maybe that's part three is us talking about the commercialization of theater. But I think that. in particular, to your point, I was wondering about that acting piece. And I, I guess, you know, having written it, I'm sure she comes in with just such a wealth of knowledge about the intricacies and nuances that might take other actors months to really dive deep in. So that's awesome to hear. And I'm, I'm yes, I'm very glad they got to see it and admittedly a little jealous. But um, I think that's awesome. And it's so good to hear. Yeah, my husband makes fun of me because I like, I mean, I'll go see all the different actors in it. Yeah. Uh, I saw Jesse Mueller, uh, Stephanie Torns. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget the young lady, uh, Jennifer Nettles. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've seen probably seven different actors in it and, and nobody even comes close to her oh, with her acting. She's, she's amazing. I, I love her. Yeah. She's great. Wow. Absolutely. Fun. Yeah. And I have seen School of Rock and School of Rock is a lot of fun. It's just it fun. Is. It's just fun. I mean, there's nothing like seeing, 
again, maybe I'm biased, but there's nothing like seeing kids on stage playing musical instruments, singing their hearts out, giving it their all. And the adult actors treating them like, yes, they are kids in the show, but they're treating them like their fellow actors, like their fellow ensemble. And it's so great to see kids shine in that way. Uh, I, I got to see it. I guess it was, gosh, when was it on Broadway? Seven years ago, maybe? Six? Uh, I don't know. Lost track of time. Something yeah, like that. I mean, it was, it was before Beetlejuice. Right. That I know. Yeah, I've, I've, I know I've lost track of time, too. It's, it's, the time warp it's is sad real. for me. Right? <laughs> the time no kidding, huh? Real. But it was great, so and, absolutely. Yeah, and, you're, and I think the kids kind of pretty much own that show, in my opinion. You know, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm okay singing Alice. Alex Brightman play this character. He is a seasoned actor. Right. But, you know, at times there are kids who are know, seven, eight, nine years old showing them up. And you know what? Good for them. That's what we oh, want. Gosh. We need more than that. Sorry, Alex. Well, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, how have you evolved? Mm. I want to say like, emotionally and spiritually wow. Uh, as a result of taking on the, this project, what what is something that you learned about yourself that was that you never knew you could do or you feel or talk about that a little bit? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I really appreciate that question. And it's one that I reflect on and, and try to be intentional about reflecting on um, pretty periodically and consistently throughout, um, you know, working with empowered players. I started Empowered Players six years ago when I realized that there was a great opportunity for arts to blossom and bloom in Fluvanna. Um, we started again as just like a one-week summer camp where kids came in and did the thing and thought maybe it'd be a year-long summer camp experience and, and soon realized that the need and desire for um, that program extended beyond just one week in the summer. Um, and so we've really ballooned since then. Um, but even through all of that growth and change, the intention of um, creating a space for students to come has been at the, at the hallmark of all of it. And for me, I think the thing that has stuck with me most is these students are all talented performers. They're bringing in skill sets. And yes, we you know, want to make sure that they are given those artistic resources they need to succeed. Um, but really experiencing firsthand the power of youth and the power of youth in supporting one another and in growing and learning and coming in with questions and curiosity is that I will always aim to answer, but sometimes I can't answer and we have to question together. And just being able to walk alongside these students, and, and I'm grateful that I, I, I mentioned earlier, I have learned so much from them and continue to learn so much from them. But the lesson that they've taught me most is, um, you know, walking alongside each other as we are growing and creating and exploring and and really supporting each other and showing up in a very meaningful way. I mean, I think one of the things that Empowered Players does is, is we just show up for the kids and we create the program that is, you know, we've worked so hard to create this program and get everything like a well-oiled machine. But 
at the end of the day, just showing up at four o'clock on, on a Sunday, ready to grow and, and explore and create and being so present with them is to me, hopefully a, a, a gift that they will take and hold with them. But it's also a gift that I don't take for granted that they are showing up as well and that they are excited and ready to learn. So um, I don't know that I can distill it down to, to one key lesson. I mean, I, again, I've learned about the power of presence and about the power of, of intentionally showing up. I've learned about walking hand in hand and, and side by side with folks and, and having a passion for uplifting each other and really supporting each other creatively. Um, and then I guess the sort of final, and it's not anywhere close to the final lesson that I've learned, but the final one I'll share is, you know, I think this has been a journey of uh, a labor of love for me. Um, and, and I am grateful to be part of it, but seeing how the community has showed up and really supported us and, and seeing the value in supporting students as well has reminded me of the power of the arts that I, I don't think, you know, other educational programs can do absolutely. But I think there's something really special about theater in particular and about how theater can bring folks together. And that for me, you know, I, I mentioned I'm focused a lot on directing and devising and playwriting um, and not as much as the acting. I'm not a big being in the spotlight person, but um, I think it, it just reiterated for me that this is something really special. And this is something that um, I feel grateful that our community is, is supporting and that we are able to in turn support our community through these programs and through these opportunities um, and seeing the confidence and growth in the kids will always leave an imprint on my heart. So I don't know that that answered your question, but for me, it's something that I, ref I reflect on a lot of how am I growing? How am I best showing up for these students? How can I continue to innovate to do so in a way that is hopefully making an impact in some way? Um, and so I appreciate the question and I will, I will leave this podcast absolutely reflecting on that. Wow. You know why? Because the arts matter. Absolutely. They matter. And uh, you know where, you know who said that? You know where I heard that quote? No. In your TED talk, <laughs> your, in your speech, you said the arts matter. Yeah. And I totally, absolutely agree. Let's all go back to, you know, paintings in caves or whatever, or, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the Old Globe Theater in London. I mean, just, it, it's, it's just so important. We need that. And I love that you brought up the examples where, where you said that people are, kids who are involved in the arts they their uh their test scores go up their gp Absolutely. you know uh, one one person was okay reading out loud for the first time and going first i thought that was so yeah. cool because the arts matter that's Absolutely. you that's your quote and that's you doing that i appreciate i appreciate that reminder i mean and that's the thing right like we wouldn't be doing this if they didn't i, I would not be excited about creating and supporting this program if the arts didn't matter. And to your point, I mean, it, it allows us to have conversations and connections with each other that we can't put into words oftentimes. So I'm grateful that you share that understanding of the arts mattering and it's absolutely at the, the forefront of what we do. Totally. Okay. I have two more questions, but one sure. of them before my last question is another uh, personal question about you. Sure. Who were you playing in the blue purple costume that I saw on the TED talk? What was that? I loved it. <laughs> um, so if you have not seen the TED Talk, I encourage you to check it out. If for nothing I other too. than seeing this embarrassing picture of me at age <laughs> five. Um, 
Yes. So I, that was my first play. I was in the little mermaid and I was a seahorse, but it, I, my, well, my only line was I'm a star fish. Cause it was like the performing seahorse. Um, and so I was a star fish. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Don't think too hard about it, but, um, uh, that was playing a seahorse in the little mermaid. So again, check it out. The photo is embarrassingly adorable. Um, and I think I was five years old. And I'm wearing like a cowboy hat. If that's the same one I'm thinking of, yeah, it's it's cute. So, anyway, wow, <laughs> you should you should use that as your your phone screensaver. I think that's really <laughs> cool. I know you, I know you probably won't, but I I would do something like that. It's it's a cute photo. I I will take it into consideration. <laughs> it's, it's adorable. Um, if you could have three wishes for empowered players, what would they be? Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, well, right now, I mean, I think our biggest thing is we share space, as I mentioned, with the Performing Arts Center, and we're really grateful to have that support. But in an ideal world, we would have a space that is our own that we could have year round and have classes. And when we're not having classes, we could have gatherings and events and, and things like that. And, and the county just doesn't have great space for that at this moment. That's not to say that that won't come in the future, but really creating like an arts hub or a theater hub in particular for students to come and create is like, that is dream. Um, absolutely. I think the other thing that we are experiencing right now is, um, just COVID is still presenting a lot of challenges, right? I'm sure a lot of the guests that come on your show have shared that in that, you know, we think we have a roadmap on how to come back and come back safely, but then the roadmap changes and, and we have to completely pivot. And, and, you know, students are a specific population that has had, they couldn't get vaccinated right at first. And then slowly that continued out and they just face a certain, you know, level of risk and protection that we always, we always want to make sure we are protecting our students. I think safety of is our course. top priority. So Absolutely. Um, ideally there'd be no pandemic, which I know extends beyond the wishes for just empowered players. But, you know, I think, or, or at least a clear understanding of what we can can do and and as an arts community um, to both value the arts and keep everyone safe. So no COVID uh, is wish number two. Um, <laughs> and then I think, you know, just in general, making sure that everyone sees the value that you and I have talked about on this podcast, but the arts really do matter. And so having the uh, support and resources to make sure that this program is able to continue to expand and grow. I mean, we've, we've grown at a, a rather exponential rate and I just hope that we can continue that energy. And I'm so grateful for our, our donors and, and, and grants and, and family members and audiences and community members that support us. Um, and just in an ideal world that would continue and continue to grow. And so um, we are constantly seeking ways that we can expand and we can, you know, find resources to, to sustain and, and really make sure that we can continue uh, innovating. But ideally, that would continue in a bigger space. So, hey, Sean, if you could end the pandemic and get us a space and keep giving us resources, we would maybe consider renaming our program uh, to be after you. No, <laughs> kidding. Or something no. even bigger than that. But no, those are our, those are our, our dreams, our dream wishes. But I'm grateful that we've been able to, to do what we, we can and we'll continue doing, chugging along as, as long as we can. So people, if you're listening to this, donate money. Donate <laughs> money, right? I mean, you can take donations. Totally. Don't you? We do. Okay. We have a PayPal on our website. So Thanks for the plug. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. And uh, do tell us about your website and your social media information before we wrap. So sure thing. You can visit us at um, 
empoweredplayers.com. That's www.empoweredplayers.com. And we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Empowered Players. Now, can people go to empoweredplayers.com and connect to all of those? Absolutely. The easiest way to do that is just visit our website. You can find information on how to join our mailing list, um, get on our social media platforms, donate if you're so-called. Yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with us. Yes, there is a button on the top um, at the very, very to the right of the pull-down menus and options that says donate here. So people, you know what to do. <laughs> look what look what Jessica is doing, this amazing, sensational work and and uh, teaching kids and developing kids and, and open, uh, c- creating artists, letting artists be artists right. and doing it from a positive and organic space. Uh, Jessica, I am just so super impressed with you. Thanks. You don't need my approval, but you've got it big time. A thousand million percent. Um, I've, I have actually really, really been looking forward to this interview. I think that you are awesome. And I think that what you're doing is helping so many people and, and teaching everyone that theater is for everyone. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's really, really cool. Again, I honestly, I watched your Ted talk and I was like tearing up at the end, like, Oh my gosh, this is great. This is wonderful. Thanks. It it really means a lot. And, and I mean, I'll say this, it it really does take a village. I mean, I, I would not be here without the support of our community. And I think that's what makes this program so special is that it is so community supported and driven and just people like you who, who get the arts and who get that it's important for students um, make all the difference in, in reminding us again, why we do what we do and, and help us have that energy to keep on going. So your support does mean the world. And, and I'm grateful to be able to talk about it and share it with folks because I have been so touched by it personally. I, I sincerely hope uh, that our community has been impacted by it as well. And I'm just grateful that, that you have been able to share in our journey. So thanks for that. The pleasure is all mine. Jessica Harris, thank you so much for being on your program as your ticket. I wish you mega broken legs uh, in in everything you do, in the company as a whole, and all of your projects, um, and you as a person, and and where you further your uh, career and your ambitions. You're 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 going to be huge. You really are. So I'm glad that I I got in on the ground floor. So to speak. okay, we'll we'll say like the third, fourth floor, maybe. I appreciate before, that very much. <laughs> before, before you become of the ages, as they say in Funny Girl, she's of the <laughs> ages now. Thank you so much for being on your program as your ticket. You've been a delight and I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Sean. And it's been such a joy talking with you. I'm really grateful for your time and, and just appreciate your support. So thanks so much. My pleasure. Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken. So it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to Jessica Harris of Empowered Players. What an inspiring artist. You can find more episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with the place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where theater stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Again, that's bpn.fm slash ypiyt. Your program is your ticket is also on Facebook at facebook.com. Your program is your ticket. I'm on Twitter at at program ticket. Instagram at your program is your ticket. YouTube at your program is your ticket. 
iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespi. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. A quick note of thanks to the Communicator Awards for honoring your program as your ticket with four awards. An award of excellence for individual episodes in the arts and culture category, and three awards of distinction. Two for my Act Two Places series, one in the entertainment category and one in the educational category, and one award for me in the features host category. Isn't that nice? I'm extremely grateful for the honor, and I owe it all to my wonderful guests, listeners, and my Broadway Podcast Network family. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer. Give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. The fastest way you can help them. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.